Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I interview bands about 
the other side of things they do, what they get up to between making records, between going on tour. And this week, we've got Ben Cook from Young Gov, formerly of Fucked Up and No Warning. His new album, Gov 3, is out now. So you can go and listen to that. Go and buy it from Run For Cover or your local record shop and see them on tour. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. And thanks to our friends at 2000 Trees who are supporting this episode. 2000 Trees is taking place from the 6th to the 9th of July in Cheltenham, just a few hours away from London. It's going to be headlined by Idols, Jimmy Eat World, Thrice and Turnstile. They've just made their massive final announcement, which includes Angel Dust, Mannequin Pussy, Petrol Girls, Me Rex, and a whole bunch of other amazing bands. If you wanted to go to a festival this summer in the UK, 2000 Trees must be the biggest independent rock festival here. And if you know you want to go but haven't got your ticket yet, you can get 10% off that ticket by using the voucher code 101POD. I've worked that out to be about 20 quid, although my maths is pretty shite. But if you want to get some cash off and spend that near 20 quid on better things like lagers or ciggies, then you can. Just use 101pod at checkout for 10% off your ticket. All right, here's Ben Cook of Young Gov. Cheers for listening. You know, I, I started this this show a couple of years ago naturally started with speaking to friends and then people I really look up to and admire such as yourself about yeah. the kind of jobs that you worked between playing in bands you know no warning you mm-hmm. know started really early on were you, were you a late teenager yeah I was like maybe like 16 17 when we kind of like changed our name from a really bad one to no warning which also isn't the best name but 16 17 that's when everyone's getting jobs you know that's when everyone's parents are kicking them up the ass and being like look if you're going to live in my house you know that's the kind of age you know you, you were pretty prolific in terms of you know touring and 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 doing stuff and making records how did that how did those two worlds collide for you well let's start with my first job and it was a child actor so and going into this podcast i completely forgot about that, that I did that. And that was a job because it's such a, you know, strange part of my life, but that was a job for me that really kind of was able, was, was uh, allowed me to float kind of my music shit. Um, I just grew up with my mom and my brother and like, you know, if I ever asked for a guitar or a piece of gear, my mom would just be like, I can't afford it. What the fuck you think I am? Um, I got into acting because, oh, should I go? Should I go there? I got kicked out of a canoe camp. I grew up in Toronto and there was like an urban canoeing camp thing where you would canoe around these uh, cement ponds. And I just found it incredibly boring. Like maybe the most boring camp I could uh, I could ever be in. Um, I thought we were going to be on the lake and stuff. So I started to, uh, um, you know, act out as a little shit that I was. And I, I started to like, you know, capsize other canoes in these, uh, in these, these, um, these urban cement ponds. And, uh, so I guess the, the counselor had had enough one day and she kicked me out. And, um, the only other camp that was available was an acting camp. So I joined an acting camp and, 
I, I used to make home videos and stuff, so I guess my mom thought that I'd be a, I'd be, I'd do well in this camp. So I, uh, I did, and I did well, and I got into kind of commercials and kind of just, just like that from being like a, a, a naughty, a naughty little boy. Is that sending tapes to commercial agencies, like looking in the, the directory and just sending them out? No, actually, the the camp. I I like. I remember at the end of the summer. We did this project where it was an improvised uh, news, um, like a newscaster set. And I was like the weather person or like, I don't know, I was like whoever. And I read the news and I did well. And I, 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 I ended this camp that summer with some award from the camp for being like one of the best actors. I don't know. I don't know. And because of that, I was able to get an audition for this thing called Wrigglers. And Wrigglers were, was a product, a toy for children that you would like mold and then put in the microwave. And then you would have these like little toy bugs. That was a thing, wasn't it? Stuff like <laughs> toys you'd buy, you put in the fridge. We had, we had one, yeah. they were like aliens and they would multiply. Yeah, exactly. That shit's cool. I like, you know, like little seahorses and things you cook and like that, that, that oven. What was that oven? I don't know if you, if you had it in England, but it was like some oven where you would literally like you would plug this thing in and you would be able to make cookies or something like as a little kid. And I always thought that was cool. I never got that. Um, but anyway, so I was able to get this one commercial out of this thing and the director, you know, he, I think he was just like, saw that I maybe had some potential, saw that my mom as a single mom was like, Hey, I kind of want to help you. You know, like I can point you towards a real agent and like maybe Ben can, kind of get involved in this and you, you know, see, see what happens. And, uh, so I ended up doing pretty well at it for until I was about 14, 15. I did a lot of commercials and like I was in goosebumps. I mean, that was my first job and it, it was, it was what I, I, it was. It's the reason why I record myself. It's like got me into, it was, I was able to buy a four track really early, you know, 12 years old with a, with a little cassette four track. I was able to buy like a Fender amp a strat and uh kind of just like start funding my my own life as a little ass kid those four tracks have such a great aesthetic you know it's like yeah. an instrument in itself i love it i still use it i still i used it on the too sad to funk um like the kind of like cynthia uh, young gov album i i used it all over that so yeah, I kind of became, you know, as, as, as you do, you become a little angsty as a, as a teenager. And I started to really question what I really wanted out of my life and my acting. And I was very um, trepidatious about becoming famous. And I really didn't want to be like known as, uh, you know, I wanted to have a, nor I wanted to be a normal kid. Because um, I kind of felt it going in a in a direction, you know, I was starting to like do auditions for bigger stuff. And I was, for some reason I was obsessed with not having my picture on a bus. Maybe it's because in school I, I'd had some form of bullying or like kind of people kind of harassing you about like, Hey, it's the kid from goosebumps or like, he, there's the kid from the fr fruit roll up commercial, like little fruit, hey, little fruity, fruity. So you know, it, it happens and it is what it is. But looking back on it, I think it actually did affect me more than 
I felt at the time. So I, uh, yeah, I was getting into punk and, and it kind of all just like the music thing was just feeling a lot more natural. It's something that I actually wanted to do and wasn't like a money thing. And yeah, I remember getting into punk when I was on a location in Montreal doing a movie called Little Men, which is the sequel to Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. There were kids at your school watching you on TV. You were around other, you know, young actors, presumably hungry for the limelight. Yeah, and I and I didn't give a shit. Like I and it's and it's why I was like kind of typecasted as if you if you if you are so lucky to see some of my my parts in <laughs> if you ever do, I, I I hope you I hope you don't because I'm not that good. But um I'm always typecasted as like the little bad boy in the in in the movie or the or the show. And it's because I'd walk into auditions like in like a ripped nine inch nails shirt with like my hair all long and like uh safety pins like you know just like just being a teenager and um it ended up working out and i got a bunch of parts because of they want to they want a real kid after being in music for so long it's like okay this this industry is so fucking corny too but like you know acting it just smelled really corny even as a little ass kid like i i was just like i don't think i like any of this I actually went from acting to working to shelving my own mu- to shelving my own movies. This no. was this this is showing my age, but yeah, I we I worked at like a kind of like a blockbuster type like Canadian version of it. There's been times where people would come up to the cash and and have the movie that I was in, and I would ring it up and not say anything and give it to them, and be like, "Enjoy it, it sucks." <laughs> you you came to that conclusion pretty quickly within a few years this is bullshit yeah. don't want to be around it yeah i think I, I was like i always looked pretty young for for my age so i was playing a lot of you know i was like 14 playing like an 11 year old and that's a significant difference and you kind of just like especially when you're 14 15 and you're really kind of just like you think you know everything and you're you have a concept of what's cool and all that and you're just like man, all these other actors are just, they're just not funny. They're not funny at all. I, I just hung out with the lighting guys and the grips and like the camera people. They, they were really cool. Like Cigarettes around the bike shed. Just like dicks, you know, like kind of like dicks who are, you know, they, 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 they want to be there, but they kind of don't, you know, it's like I resonated with, with those, with those people. And then I just kind of quit cold Turkey and went right into music and it kind of all lined up with a, uh, with no warning and kind of punk and stuff. There was a couple of bands before no warning, like more like pop punk shit. But uh, do you think that that acting experience gave you a kind of like knowledge that you could be your own boss? You could kind of have an idea and, and run with that, you know, in a creative sense and make that creative part of you, you know, make it, make it something that you just do more than anything else. Yeah, I think it, it, like, I really do value, like, the experience, you know, because it was like, I was doing like 12 hours a day as like a, you know, like a, whatever the legal limit of of hours you can do as like a 12 year old kid, I was doing that for like a month. And it, it kind of instilled this work ethic, where later on, when I'd be in like a studio doing like an eight, 10 hour day, it was nothing, I could do it so easily. And, um, but yeah, it kind of like, it, it showed me that, you know, like, man, I can really just like kind of bullshit my way 
bullshit my way into this and like i'm not a, i'm not a good actor like i just have to learn these lines kind of and like just be a little bit better than some other kid doing the lines like yeah i could do this like so yeah i kind of just like started the hustle there's a handful of excellent no warning live videos from early 2000s and that those crowds are are big I guess that's a level of responsibility to not necessarily put on a show, but to kind of be there for that community that want to dance, that want to sing along, to want to be part of this, of this movement. Yeah, it was, it was really like, it just, it was just such a, you know, when you're looking back on it, you, you understand the value of it all and stuff. But when you're, when you're, when you're there, you're just like, again, just like a snotty, snotty kid that was just like seeing if things would work. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I, I think we did have a sense of obviously the sense of community that we experienced was it was very touching. It still is, you know, it's still very important to me, like it was back then. But we also, you know, took the piss, so to speak, any chance we could get. Was there a level of organization about it? Because I suppose you know, talk about this conversation of of jobs and bands and you know, practice and so many texts trying to figure shit out, finding a driver, trying to find a van, sorting a back climb. Was it, was it pretty well organized? No warning. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I did literally everything for, in terms of like organization for the band. We were pretty young, you know? And for some reason I had this, like, I had it in me to be able to kind of wrangle a band together and get it all done. And like, you know, talk to labels, as a teenager and you know this is pre texting and stuff like that and like my my mom would even tell me like she would she, she said, said it the other day she's like i would watch you as a young kid like talk to these labels and i was just like how the hell does he know how to talk like this and like in such a business not to say that i'm like an amazing business person but there so yeah there was a level of organization that came from i don't know where it came from i think it was probably instilled in me in a young age because I was kind of fending for myself, you know, pretty early in life. But yeah, not to say that the other guys didn't do anything, but the no warning definitely needed like an organizer. And that was my particular job. I've often found it, the contrast between, you know, taking the piss, having fun, being teenagers, and then having that level of seriousness about it. Because that organizational stuff requires a level of seriousness. Yeah, we were really serious. Like we were, we were taking the piss, whatever, but you know, we were real in practice, we were really serious. And sometimes people would come to our practice from like other bands or, you know, other people in the hardcore scene in Toronto. And they would be like, holy shit, don't go everywhere to a no warning practice. It's like fucking, it's like the army in there. And like, I don't know why it's like, we just, it wasn't like necessarily a competitive nature for us. It was just like, we just really wanted to be the best band that we could and like together as you know like a unit i understood the the value of of hard work and practice and like we all kind of stayed together as as his friends and stuff like that but the band had to kind of like you know stop for a while um i didn't really know what to do because i'd been doing no warning for like five years and like we had kind of like hustled a bunch of money out of like major labels and pretty much lived off this that shit for four or five years so I ended up working at this kind of tea company, um, which was run by this just kind of like small business in this kind of project housing 
uh, apartment that she rented out where she had all her stash. And I would make all these really beautiful teas and take orders. And I would deliver all these teas to fancy restaurants in Toronto in her Audi. I have the recipes. So it's like masala chai. Okay. I pack it up the sash. I put the sash in the tin. I print off the labels. It, it It was a really nice product, but you know, she kept her overhead pretty low. And then I would, you know, have these boxes and I would take the orders and I would, she, she'd lend me her car and I would do rips around Toronto and to like these really nice restaurants. And I would, uh, just be dropping those off. I don't have a clue how I met this person, but I did it for like two years. I was able to get like a couple friends jobs and stuff. So it wasn't so boring. And we would just, we would listen to tapes. My friend Priya, who sang for like a hair metal thing called diamonds for a while, her and I worked together, uh, at tea in the Sahara for <laughs> like a while. And we would just listen to like rock and metal cassettes, like just all day long. And it was actually when I was at that job, it was when I received an email from fucked up asking me to join. Cause I'd just done like a, I just saw them on tour in the UK for a few shows and like tagged along and went back to work. And after that tour, I got the call and I remember like opening the email at work and being like, should I join fucked up or continue working at this tea place? And I'm like, oh, I think I'll probably just join fucked up. Like I've always been a fan. Like they're my friends. Like, yeah, sounds good. And you joined as third guitarist. Did they have a third guitarist before that? No, it was uh, it was their idea to kind of just build out this big sonic epic fucked up live squad. And it was, yeah, and it was right before um, they were deciding to sign to Matador. So I, you know, it was like, you know, the beginning of uh, another big phase for the band. And uh, I think I was 25. Um and I'd had a pretty, you know, good run with No Warning. And, you know, I'd, I'd done a few shows with with Fucked Up as kind of like a roadie, like I said, in the UK. And, like, I liked, I, I knew everyone, you know, mostly even before Fucked Up was even a band. So I was, I was always a fan. I, I remember seeing some of their first shows and buying, getting their demo and kind of really being like, this band's cool, like. I think this band could, I remember like sitting in a Chinese restaurant like when they released their first seven inch and I was like, this band's the type of band that'll sign to like sub pop. And like 10 years later, they're on Matador and, you know, I'm joining the band. It was, it was great. It was a good time for me to join the band too. Cause you know, it was like when Matador, when Matador season started, you know, the majority of fucked up are songwriters and have their own little things going on. I'd moved to New York and wanted to take Young Gov a little seri- more serious. And at that time, Fucked Up's workload was was a lot more slim in terms of touring because Damien has three kids and Josh too. So I actually left the band a few months ago, um, which was a big, big decision. But, you know, every chapter comes to an end, I suppose. I read, you can bunk this, I read that Gov was your name for your outlet since 08? Yeah, I think 
Well, the young gov name came, young governor came from joining Fucked Up and, uh, you know, everyone in Fucked Up has these pseudonyms and it's actually a Man City reference that Mike from the band gave me when I joined the band. Um, so when I started to make solo records, I I just didn't really know what to, what to call it and Ben Cook isn't really like a cool thing to call it. So young young governor it was young governor for a while and then i just kind of like shortened it what's the man city reference there's like an old man city like football firm called the governors in the 70s mike was like you're young governor i'm like that sounds cool damn let's do it (laughs) i do get a lot of people like saying i thought that you were a rapper every time i saw your name until i heard your music which is you know it can be confusing i guess and like sometimes i wish it was just gov um i actually toyed with that idea at one point but maybe i'll do it again one day but it it has been a bit of a weird transition just like you know being in fucked up and like kind of identifying with that kind of position in in my life you know what i mean like it's been like a comfort comforting place for me even though it's been a little dysfunctional you know as things are but you know sometimes dysfunctional things feel feel comfortable too, even if they're bad. Um, so it's taken me some time to kind of like, just to get over the the fear of like being not under the wing of, of such a, you know, such a big force like fucked up. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just like being like, okay, what's next? You know, like young gov doesn't have to be some big ass thing. And, you know, maybe it'll just be this, be what it is for, forever and that's cool too but uh yeah it's been a it's been a um a bit of a shift inside i feel a bit guilty about making you hark back to years ago you know i because it's like everything's moving forward you know i think thinking about the present and the forward is is the most interesting thing to do so <laughs> i hope you don't mind me you know? no it's cool like i'm i'm used to it and like it it is like it's it's good to kind of like to go back and talk about these things. I mean, I don't, I don't really talk about it that much. I'm not really like in my, in my, in my regular life when I'm not on a podcast, I, I'm not really the type of person to always talk about the old days and mm. whatever. And it's, so it's like, I'm happy to do it when, when it's in this context, for sure. It's important. It's important to kind of like recognize that a lot of it was just stupid and just doesn't have to be taken so seriously sometimes. find a stability in your new home in New York and did that come with you know extra stuff like you know new friendship groups new jobs new hobbies you know I was able to hustle hustle some music stuff here and there and you know some some production gigs and I don't really know how I how I did it for three years in New York to be honest but I didn't you know I was able to do it and that's kind of like the New York vibe you know you do like five or six different things at a time and you just make it work or you don't and you leave being there and you know starting young gov almost like not from scratch but just like you know starting it with run for cover and like uh you know kind of a double album and some of my you know closest friends some of them come from no warning some of them don't were in new york at the same time we all kind of like went down there together um they ended up playing in my band and yeah it was just like uh kind of an, a new but also old crew of 
people playing completely different music and somehow I convinced them to go on some tours and uh, it was going pretty well. And then, you know, COVID had to smack us all up and everyone kind of feel like they're starting from scratch in a way, but it is what it is. I've done some like paid work for like bigger, bigger bands, like hired songwriting stuff, which was amazing. I co-wrote some Sum 41 stuff back in the day as kind of like a gig. Um, and I mean, I really enjoy that kind of stuff, you know, writing, producing for others. And I've done, I've done it up until, you know, like I still do it, but, um, I really enjoy that kind of stuff because it kind of takes the pressure off, off you a little bit. And it's like kind of putting yourself into another, another role. I wish there was more kind of collaborative, collaborative stuff in guitar music. I find that it's just like, I, I know that people do like, you know, remote collabs and stuff like that, but sometimes it's just like, I prefer to just get in the studio, you know, or just like come over or something like that. Like I, I really, I'm not really good at sending tracks back and forth. Ben, cheers for joining me to do this. And nice one for turning away from the Man City game. What's the score? Fuck yeah, let's check the score. Hold on. Oh, if the stream froze. Okay, we'll be a surprise later. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. So there he was, as he was, Ben Cook of Young Gov. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. See you next week. Here's Cox Barra. I've been working all day, got me mate on the side Running around like a blue-ass fly I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day Got me mate Every bleeding minute I've been on the go This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.